0: You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Well, Good morning. Thank you for being in your place today. If you would take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to hop around a couple places here, Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> my voice is a little hoarse from last night. We had our men's meeting last night. And it was awesome. Had a really good time and a uh, great job for you men coming out. Uh, you, some of you guys are very competitive, which is awesome to see. Uh, Will Dunn, sitting right here to my left, is my co-champion. So yesterday we had a foosball tournament and me and him came out on top. So i just like to thank the Lord for that and for letting us be the champions. And so we had a great, great time there with our men's meeting. We had food, and so men, I encourage if you weren't there uh, at that one, be at the next one. It was just super fun and exciting. And so my ho- my voice is a little hoarse this morning, but we'll get through this, okay? So Acts chapter number one is where we'll be, and then we're also going to look at Acts chapter four. Uh, but before I begin uh, going into the message this morning, last week I told you about a I told you a joke last week that my wife didn't think was funny at all, okay? And hopefully you remember that joke because it was still funny. Uh, But we're going to continue that today, all right? So there's another joke I told her uh, that I heard that I was like, you know, this is super funny. And when I told her, it wasn't as funny. So I'm going to tell you that joke today. Let's hopefully it will be not strike two on this one, all right? So the story this morning begins with two guys on an airplane, one being Albert Einstein and the other being an average Joe named Joe, okay? Okay. And these two guys are on an airplane, and they're going from California to Tennessee, all right? And they're flying from California to Tennessee. And if you've, ever, uh, if you've ever flown from the West Coast to the East Coast, it's a pretty, pretty long flight. So hopefully you sit next to somebody that might be entertaining or just might be nice or really isn't crowding your space, okay? Um, the best scenario is having that middle seat open. But Albert Einstein and this average Joe named Joe are sitting together on the plane. And before the plane takes off, Albert Einstein looks to Joe and he says, Hey man, this plane ride's gonna be super long. And so, how about we play a game just to pass the time while we're here in the air? Average Joe, Joe looks at him and he says, Yeah, okay, that'd be great. And so Albert Einstein says, Well, here's what we're gonna play. We're gonna play a question and answer game. If I ask you a question, hopefully you'll have an answer. But here's the catch whenever you ask me a question, and I can't answer, I will give you $500. Albert Einstein says to, to Joe, and Joe says, yes, I'll definitely do this. 500 bucks, that's great, but what about me? And Albert Einstein says, well, if you ask, uh, if you ask me, if I ask you a question, and, you can't an- and I can't answer, then you have to give me $5, okay? So Joe asks a question, and if Albert Einstein uh, can't answer it, he'll get $500. If Albert Einstein asks a question to Joe and he can't answer it, he has to give $5. What a great trade-off, right? Don't you wish you sat next to somebody on a plane like that, right? 500 bucks. And so Joe says, let's do this. So Albert Einstein starts out and says, all right, I'll start. He says, how far away is the moon from the earth? Joe begins to think about it. He can't really figure it out. So he just reaches into his pocket and gives Albert Einstein $5. He looks at Albert Einstein and he says, what goes up a mountain with three legs and comes down the mountain with four? Now, Albert Einstein's super smart, you all agree? Yes, super smart. So he begins to filter through his vast knowledge of intellect and trying to figure out. And By the time he comes to a conclusion, he doesn't know. So guess what he does? He reaches in his pocket and he gives Joe $500. Now, before Einstein goes to his question, he says to Joe, I'm very curious, before I ask my next question, what does go up a mountain three, with three legs and comes back down with four? Joe looks at Albert Einstein, reaches in his pocket, and gives Albert Einstein $5, okay? <laughs> well, good, that was a better reaction than my wife. So, yeah, knocked it out two weeks in a row, come back next week for the third joke, all right? So hopefully it will be good. All right, well, let's begin here this morning. I'm not gonna be too long. Uh, I can see the time. No worries. We'll get you out on the right time. But last week, we started a mini-series called Sharing Jesus, Getting Personal with Evangelism. We talked about embracing our God-given mission last week. That was the call uh, for last week's message. And we saw how that the Great Commission was not just a collective effort, but a personal responsibility of every believer. We saw that God had designed us to glorify him by furthering the gospel with the gifts, talents, and opportunities he has given to us. We also saw that for us to consistently share Jesus with others, we have to consistently share Jesus with ourselves. We must must continue to go deeper into the gospel to be captivated by the message of Jesus. We have to let that message go from our heads to our hearts. And the reason for that is because whatever has your heart will move your feet, move your hands, will move your mouth. And oftentimes what we do is we allow other things to have our heart, but let's be captivated by the message of Jesus so that it moves us. So last week was the call to embrace the mission that God has given to us. So this week, we're going to talk about our resources So if Jesus has called us to this mission, if he's calling us to embrace this, no doubt Jesus is going to equip us with the right resources we need to continue the message of Jesus, all right? So let's read here in Acts chapter one, verse number four, and then we're gonna go down to Acts chapter four and look at verse 23. But let's look here, Acts one, verse four. The Bible says this, and being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Verse number six. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse eight, but ye shall receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's go to chapter four, Acts four, verse 23. Verse 23 says this, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Speaking of Peter and John, Verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant thy servants with all boldness they may speak thy word. Verse 30, by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. So this morning, let's see what Jesus has left us with to continue the, message, the mission that he started. That's what we're gonna look at here this morning. Let's ask God to bless this time one more time. Father, we thank you once again that you have allowed us to be in your place, to be here with our people, to look at your word and to be encouraged and refreshed. And Father, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, as I need your strength, I need your power to preach this message. And Lord, may you use it in each and every one of the lives here this morning and also in mine, continue to do the work. Help our church to love people. Help our church to share Jesus. We praise in your name, amen. So number one here, if you're taking notes, when we're looking at the resources that, that Jesus has left for us, equipped us for the mission, number one we see here, we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. The power that you and, you and I have in sharing Jesus comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power source for us to being unashamed, bold witnesses of Jesus Christ. So when we looked here at chapter one, verse number four, you see that the disciples were assembled together. But Jesus says to them to do one thing before he leaves. He says to wait, wait. So the disciples have to wait there in Jerusalem. And the reason being is because There's a promise that's going to come from the Father. He says to wait. And Luke references back to that time in Acts chapter 1. To wait for what or for who? They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for the power that would come behind their witness. Jesus wanted his disciples to be equipped with the power that would ultimately change a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Jesus then continues and says that John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, the idea of being baptized with the Spirit is synonymous with being filled with the Spirit. Both terms describe a person who has surrendered his or her life to Jesus Christ and is being controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why in Ephesians, we find that Paul emphasizes to be not drunk with wine, but to be filled with what? The Spirit. This is the power that's going to back up our witness when we go out and share Jesus. We need that power. It was important that Jesus said to his disciples to wait. Now you think about it. What if the disciples didn't wait? Then their witness wouldn't be powerful. And I think sometimes in my own life, I have found my witness to not be powerful because I have tried to go out and in my own strength and my own abilities not have been backed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is important that you and I tap into that power that Jesus said for the disciples to wait for. Every one of us who has placed faith in Jesus have been given that power to continue the message, the mission, he takes residence in our hearts, and sometimes we forget he lives within us. Man, the Holy Spirit, no doubt about it, if we were to line up the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son, he would be the one that we usually choose last if it came to something we were doing. The Holy Spirit gets a bad rep because the thing is, he doesn't always, uh, we don't always see him as a person. Oftentimes, we see the Holy Spirit as just a Doctrine. We don't see him as someone, someone that's real, someone that's breathing, someone that's alive like the Son and the Father. And the thing is, the Holy Spirit is no less than, them, than they are. We need all three. And yet the Holy Spirit is very important when it comes to our witness. In order for us to be effective witnesses, we need the power. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is essential. Do you understand this morning that the that the process of salvation is of a supernatural spiritual process. It can't be done with physical means. We need power, spiritual power, to do with the miraculous that only the Holy Spirit can do. We are given that power so that we can tell people about Jesus, enabling them to know him too. There is no point, listen to this, there's no point in having the power of the Holy Spirit if we aren't sharing the gospel. And there's no point in sharing the gospel if we don't have the Spirit's power. There's no point in having the Holy Spirit if we aren't sharing the gospel, and there is no point in sharing the gospel if we don't have the Spirit's power." Here's this quote from Corey Tenboom that I, I really, really like, kind of brings me back. It says, "There's trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus flows out of you. Sharing Jesus becomes work when we're not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But sharing Jesus becomes worship when you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, ministry shouldn't be a grudge. It should be a want. It should be a desire but oftentimes what happens is we don't tap into that power that we need to push us forward in worship. Then all of a sudden, everything we think about when it comes to church is work. Now, let me ask you this. Do you guys like going to work sometimes? No, right? You don't. Sometimes you go Monday. Uh, Monday's the worst, right? Monday's the worst work week, work day of the week. Nobody likes Monday. But once you get to Friday, you're kind of ready to be done, right? And I don't think we should look at what we're doing for the Lord as like that to where it's, ah, I can't wait till Friday. But if we look at it with the power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes worship. It becomes what we desire to do. See, the Holy Spirit is not just doctrine, as I said. The Holy Spirit's a person equal to the Father and Son. He is no lesser, and he is the power that we need to share the message. And it's crazy to think that we can do this mission on our own. But let me tell you what D.L. Moody said. He says, there is is no use in running before you are sent. There is no use in attempting to do God's work without God's power. A man working without this unction, a man working without this anointing, a man working without the Holy Ghost upon him is losing time after all. There is an emphasis that we need to place on the Holy Spirit. We need the power. We need his power. Not just in witnessing, but in all that we do. In preaching, in teaching, in fellowship, in outreach. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so needful because when you look in the Gospel of Luke, who is the author of Acts, we find in Luke 5.17. If you would, take your Bibles, turn to Luke 5.17. We'll find a fascinating verse of how important we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 5.17. Let's read this. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Let's say that last phrase. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. When you look at that verse, you don't find anything significant. But when you think about that phrase, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them, we find that Jesus is teaching and healing. And the power of the Lord was there present to heal those people. But yet that power of the Lord is speaking of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same power that is given to us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is showing here that Jesus was healing by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you say, doesn't Jesus have his own power? And we would all agree, yes, Jesus has his own power. But why make this distinction that Jesus is using the power of the Spirit, not his own power? Well, this distinction has to be made because if Jesus had healed exclusively out of his own power, then he'd have a significant advantage over his disciples. But if the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus, then the disciples could do what he did, continuing the ministry he started. Believers who now possess that same Holy Spirit have access to that same power. Jesus modeled for us what he's asking us for. That same power that he used is the same power that he's asking you to use when it comes to being a witness of Jesus. That blows my mind to think that he had to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So how much more do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? I was telling pastor in the offices when I I saw that, it was like this huge weight that just lifted off of me. Once again, the work, the hard work Jesus takes on himself Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit to give to us. And yet you and I have the easy job of witnessing. Like you think about it. The Holy Spirit is the one who does that miraculous work. The Holy Spirit's the one who converts the heart. You and I are the ones who are supposed to speak what we have seen and heard. That's easy because a lot of us like to talk. So here's the thing. It's not in your power. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. But are you letting him use you? Are you allowing the power to come through you? Are you tapping in to the power? It is just awesome to see that Jesus would use the power of the Spirit, and yet he asks us to do the same. He's saying, look, the mission can still continue through you. Just let my Holy Spirit work through you. Let him empower you. And man, I, Jesus just covers all bases when it comes to our witnessing, because what I said before in last week's message, sharing Jesus is scary sometimes. Sharing Jesus is awkward. It's intimidating. And, and yet sometimes it's weird. And yet Jesus knew that that would be the case. And so he has taken care of all of those bases for you in the Holy Spirit. All the awkwardness, all the intimidation, all of that, Jesus has taken care of that by giving you the Holy Spirit. He takes The Holy Spirit does a work in which he eliminates that fear. The Holy Spirit is that comforter. The Holy Spirit will guide and direct. He will tell us what to say. He will guide us where to go. All we have to do is fall back on him. That's it. John fourteen sixteen. I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. Witnessing is not done alone. And Jesus already knew you would face some weird things that in your own self insecurities And so he's like, you know what? I got to give you the spirit. He's going to help you. He's your comforter. He's going to guide you. He's going to say, he's going to put out the words that you need to say. If you're just sensitive, you're just asking him what to do. The Holy Spirit is the comforter that emboldens and empowers our witness. Which leads us to our second resource this morning. Not only have we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have been given the means of prayer. Simple the means of prayer. Once we understand that we are empowered to share Jesus, we come to another resource that is essential and effective, and that is prayer. Prayer is key when it comes to evangelism. You can't evangelize effectively on a consistent basis without prayer. Let's look at Acts 4:29 again. Peter and John, they come back. They've just done a miracle. They're being told to stop sharing Jesus. First Acts 4:29. And now the Lord, behold their threatenings, grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word. Acts 4:31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. There's the power, and they spake the word of God with boldness. You see that this group of people, the early church, they were assembled together and they prayed. And they were filled with that power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer would be one of the key resources as the gospel was being spread throughout the book of Acts. The early church faced life or death when it came to sharing the message of Jesus. But we would find time and time again that the witness of Jesus would not be stopped. One of the amazing things about the book of Acts is that the, the disciples were out sharing Jesus and yet nothing could stop them. The death threats couldn't stop them. The different types of uh, uh, schemes and plots could not stop the gospel from going forth. See, we got to think about it like this. The darker the night, the brighter the light. We have to understand that the gospel thrives much better in persecution. The gospel thrives much better in the hard times. The gospel thrives much better. The thing is, the world doesn't see that. They think, wow, we're going to keep attacking and attacking, and we're going to squash this out. But for some reason, you're just giving it more and more and more and more strength. The gospel is never going to be stopped. And the disciples were bold. And we as a church, when we understand that we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been given the means of prayer we can move forward. When we share Jesus, there's sometimes we feel overwhelmed and gripped by fear, but we need to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and fall back on prayer. Now, one thing you will notice here is that the prayer wasn't just a regular type of prayer. It was was a prayer, but there was something specific that the church was asking for. And this was a trendy prayer happening throughout the book of Acts. And that was a prayer for boldness. A prayer for boldness. Boldness. Let me give you some definitions on this boldness. Boldness, in the biblical sense, is not a personality trait. A typically soft-spoken, introverted, calm person can be bold at times. And a typically driven, outspoken, brash person can shrink back sometimes. Boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat. Boldness is the Christian virtue of being able to speak about God and his gospel with frank, unashamed openness, unhindered by the fear of man or what people think. Boldness of speech is consistent with the variety of personalities, gifts, and callings, and is consistent with discretion, sensitivity, and gentleness. See, the early Christians were being threatened to stop sharing Jesus. And guess what? They had a choice. They had a choice whether to fall back in fear to fall forward in power and in prayer. Knowing that people need to hear the message of Jesus and to boldly proclaim the gospel. We have to look at sharing Jesus in another way this morning. I'm almost finished here. Though another thing we have to look at it is a spiritual warfare. Sharing Jesus is a spiritual fight. There is a battle raging for a soul of men. And yet you and I are in this fight. You and I are called to fight. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians lists out the armor of God. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, he continues, but this is, the way, this is where he continues listing out the armor of God. Look at Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. It says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. There's the power. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I' am ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. We find here that the Apostle Paul understands sharing Jesus is a fight. He gives us the armor of God to get ourselves ready. But then he comes down in verse 18 and says, praying in the spirit, we need the power. And look, here's what I'm asking the spirit for, to give me utterance that I may boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul recognizes this. You and I need to recognize that when it comes to sharing Jesus, we need the power and we need boldness. And why do we pray for boldness? Because boldness really... It's not a fruit of the spirit. Boldness is something that you and I have to constantly ask for. And why? Because you and I have fears. And if we allow our fears to creep into our heart, it's gonna paralyze our evangelism. We all fear rejection. We don't like looking dumb or appearing inadequate. We don't wanna come off weird. These are fears, right? We all have these. So we need boldness. We need the power of the spirit. We need to pray, God, change that. Give me boldness. Squash those fears. I remember being in a Bible college, and we have Amy here, uh, Pastor Sarah and Sarah, uh, Sarah's sister, works at West Coast Baptist College, right? Yeah. So going to West Coast Baptist College, when we talk about being in fear of rejection, having those fears, I remember being in Bible college, and dating was a constant thing that was talked about and encouraged at college, Right? They were playing functions to get guys and girls out on dates, all right? The college whole thing was just get them married, all right? Send them out there into the ministry. And there were all these different types of functions to get encouraged girls and guys to go on dates. And one thing would be true there would be two groups of males on a campus. There would be the fearing males that would want, who can't ask a girl out on a date. So what they would do is they group up in in a group buddy thing, and they'll go off campus and go eat out together, okay, because they were too afraid to ask a girl out on a date. They were driven by their fear of rejection, but then there was another group of males, bold males, okay, and these guys would go. They would go for it. No fear of rejection. I'm going for this girl. I like her. She should like me, okay, and they go out, and they get that girl, and guess what they do? They get to go on the date, have, have a great time, but I remember being caught in this weird conundrum of both of them, all right? I was in this one place where I was thinking, oh, I don't want to get rejected at the same time I'm being called out of my manhood, okay? So here's this weird story that happened to me. I remember experiencing both of these weird behaviors, okay? The winter banquet was coming up and everyone was getting dates and some weren't. And I was kind of iffy if I was really going to go to this. So finally, I talked to one of my buddies, and I'm going to say his name is Chris. And I said, Chris, I, I'm going to go to the winter banquet, but I don't know who to ask. Do you have any girlfriends that would say yes to me? Um, and he's like, oh, let me think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this girl, and for the sake of her name, her name's Betty, okay? And so he's, yeah, Betty. Betty's cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen Betty on campus. She's pretty cool. Ask her if she'd go on a blind date with me, all right? It doesn't matter if she knows me, uh, but it's okay that I know her, but she doesn't have to know me. Okay, And so my fear of rejection was like, man, set me up on a blind date because it's worse when you get rejected in person because on campus you'll see them all the time and you'll be like, that's the person rejected me, okay? So I say, hey, set me up on this blind date. He's like, all right. So he pulls out his cell phone. He calls her right then and there. I was like, put it on speaker so I can, so I can hear if she says yes. So he's got it on speaker and he's, and he's like, hey, Betty, uh, it's Chris. Uh, I got this friend here. Um, who wants to go to you to the winter banquet? Are you cool with going on a blind date? And she paused for a little bit, and this is her exact words: "Tell him to ask me and man up." And I said, "What?" I was, I was like, I was like, turn that, off. turn that speaker off. Turn up. What? So, and so I was like, all right, all right, all right. Tell her, tell her, I'm gonna see you tomorrow in chapel. I'm gonna ask that girl. And so all of a sudden, I just got bold for some reason. I was like, I'm gonna man up. And so. And so she uh, and so he hangs up next day in chapel. okay, there's like a thousand students were in chapel, like, you know, church or whatever. And she still doesn't know it's me. I know who she is. So I I, so I'm waiting in chapel and she comes through. So now I know where she's sitting. So after chapel's over, I'm going right there to man up to show her I'm bold. And um, chapel's over. People are filtering out. I get out of my seat. (laughs) I see my friends. I'm like, yeah, we got this. We got this. I'll tell you all later. (laughs) And um, they kind of give me some, you know, like a cheering section to help me out, give me some boost. And so I walk around, and there she is sitting. And in the chapel, they didn't have seats like this, all right? They had pews, all right? So it's kind of hard. It's like sometimes the pews are, at that time, the pews are like super um, slim. So she's sitting there, and I walk up to her, and I say, look. I said, hey, Betty, it's me. I'm the guy that you said to man up and ask you out. So here I am so are we doing this? She looks at me and she says, no. And I said, okay. And so like I walked, my fear of getting rejected still happened. Okay. So I walked away and I was trying to get out as soon as possible. But for some reason, she decides to sit in the middle of the pew. So I have all this length of pew. It's super skinny. Okay. And I'm trying to get out of there as soon as I can. There's an arm on the end of these pews, and I hit it in my leg. And so I'm walking out of the chapel like this. After I've been rejected, now I have a limp as I'm walking out. And so what happened was there was that fear of rejection, but yet there was that moment of boldness that didn't matter if I was going to go and ask her anyway. The thing is, I wouldn't have gotten the answer if I didn't ask her, if I didn't come, get over my fear, if I didn't go get over that and tap into some boldness there to ask her. See, boldness is moving forward. Fear is never starting. You see, we fear rejection because we think that somehow we are the ones who are in charge of the results. I think when we talk about being witnesses of Jesus, I think sometimes that, that reason why fear rises in our hearts, and I told our men this last night, is because we think we have to be the ones with the end result. We think that we're the ones that have, to, that have to make that person saved. Let me give you a simple thing of witnessing this morning that I think will, will lighten the load, and that is this. Being a witness of Jesus is speaking what you have seen and heard. That's it. Your testimony, what Jesus has done for you, you speak that. Holy Spirit does the work of conversion. Start the conversation. Let the Holy Spirit do the conversion. Let him free you. See, our role is to boldly start it, start that conversation. And the Holy Spirit's role is to do the miraculous conversion of the heart. Fear is the opposite of boldness and the opposite of courage. Fear is the great enemy of faith. And many of us have allowed that fear to paralyze us to the point we don't share Jesus. There was a, let me give you this quick thing real, real quick and we'll be done there was a survey that was given to those attending a training session in the Billy Graham crusade in Detroit. One question was asked, what is your greatest hindrance to witnessing? 9% said that they were too busy to remember to do it. 28% felt the lack of real information to share. None said that they didn't really care. 12% said their own lives were not speaking as they should. But by far, the largest group were 51% whose biggest problem was the fear of how other people would react. None of us like to be rejected, ridiculed, or regarded as an oddball. But let me give you this scripture this morning, Proverbs twenty-nine twenty-five. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And then finally here this morning, 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So as we finish here this second part of sharing Jesus, I want to encourage you to tap into the greatest power source the world has ever known. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives in us. You see, the Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us in where to go and what to say. And I encourage you to fall back on prayer and ask for boldness to move forward in your personal evangelism. Here's a short prayer that you can model. God, give me an opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus. Give me wisdom to see it, and give me boldness to take it. And finally, this morning, I want to encourage you to take advantage of these practical resources that we have for you, that we have available for you. See, we live in a day and age where communication is is a lot easier we believe that these can be a help. Right now, if we just think about these, they're just paper with color on them. But if we truly believe that God can do it, if we believe that he can, these can be so much more. These can be the bridges that help us share Jesus. I encourage you church, let's try to do something. Let's try to get let's just try to get these all out. You know what I mean? You have nothing to lose by saying, "Hey, I'd like to give you this." "Hey, I'd like to invite you." You have nothing to fear. And so here's the thing, take advantage of those. Church, we have a mission. I hope you embrace it, sharing Jesus, but also we've been equipped. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and allow yourself to be given to prayer. Pray for boldness so that we can eliminate that fear. We have a mission and God is still on the move. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you.